Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. Bucks and Brian on the mic. Following a great game week 15, we are back in the green arrows, baby. How you doing, Brian? It feels so good to be back. Love a green arrow for both of us. It's much easier to get on the pod compared to last week where we had the FPL Blues and we're suffering from some pretty poor performances from our squad. So definitely feels good to have another game week in the books. And wow, we're already at the World Cup. So this is the last game week, game week 16. Yeah, so game week 15 went well for both of us, but it was not without its own share of drama, of which there was plenty. City opened the game playing against Southampton at home, but the craziness started even before the transfer deadline hit because there was issues with the official FPL app and their servers were down. There was leaked team news of which there was a lot of fake news surrounding that information. All hell broke loose. At my time, it was it was a decent hour. Brian, it wasn't as decent or as, it probably wasn't even light out in the morning on the West Coast where you were at. Yeah, to be honest, I was sick as shit on Friday. I got my extra booster and flu shot at the same time and was pretty run down all day Friday. So I took a half day, took a nice four hour nap from like one 30 to five 30. Oof, that was glorious. Well, well needed, but definitely put me in a bit of a fog. So I did not really wake up early enough to take advantage of these leaks. And honestly, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we always have leaks, but I think when it's involves city, who is such an important team for FPL it's just something that a lot of managers, especially in the best time zones, such as the UK or Europe, they're really taking advantage and getting a leg up. With that being said, I did not take advantage of the leaks and I kept Mo Salah and I kept Foden. And ultimately, those are two players that I might have flip-flopped for somebody like KDB and Almiron or something like that, right? So I think ultimately I came out all right, but my overall frustration with the site is not really a, a big concern because we've played this game or I've played this game for upwards of six or seven years now and the tech stack's always been miserable so I wouldn't do um yeah I wouldn't be expecting anything to be solved overnight hopefully in time they can invest some more money but the servers go down what 25 minutes before the deadline this time around crazy well, I will say I'm the newbie of this podcast. I've only been playing for three years. So all I know of FPL is sheer and utter chaos, whether it's the COVID cancellations, double game weeks, blank game weeks, and now this server reliability concern. So uh, I'm kind of used to rolling with the punches. However, I will say that I am a longtime uh, American football fantasy player, and I've never had an issue with any of the free services stateside for that platform or for March Madness and kind of college basketball-related fantasy games, which are also all free. So I just think that it's time for the FPL game, for the Premier League to recognize that they are a global brand and to invest an appropriate amount of infrastructure and, I don't know, just overall caring a little bit more. Don't be the peacock streaming service of fantasy games. Be better. It's it's too late for that, Bucks. And I think for a lot of managers who have played Champions League fantasy, where you can basically make a change to your team all the way up until one minute before the first kickoff. So 
that's a very interesting set of parameters that I could be definitely down for compared to this 90 minute window. I mean, it used to be 60 minutes. Now it's 90. Some people are like, it'd be better if it was three hours so that the leaks wouldn't affect your decision-making. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of a cluster bleep to say the least. Honestly, if you made transfer plans and had them loaded into the app and they didn't go through, or worse yet, if you were using a chip, like a free hit chip or a bench boost, and it didn't come off because your moves didn't go through, we're really sorry. We hope that you still are enjoying the FPL game enough to stay true and stick with it through the World Cup break. And that's what we're here for. We are diehards. We are addicted to the game. And with that, let's get into the good news from game week 15. And that starts with our game week scores. Brian, how'd you do? Now I got to kick it back to you, Bucks. You are the highest scorer on the pod. So we got to lead with your team. Yes, it feels good to be back <laughs> at the top. I ended up on 66 points all out and a healthy green arrow. I took a risk when I saw this leaked news. I decided not to make any rash transfer moves, but I switched captaincy from Holland to Trippier. And holy cow, Ooh. that was the difference. That was so huge. I think that was the kind of penicillin that I needed to get my team back on track, to get my team feeling fresh and back in the points. Trippier ends up with a clean sheet, assist, and three bonus. What a guy. And doubled up for my captaincy. 24 huge points. That was the difference. Absolutely massive for you to go with Trips. Have the conviction. He's been so consistent. And so you back him. You back Newcastle's form, their defense. At the same time, man, you dodged a few bullets in that game. Southampton definitely had a few opportunities that they could have scored on. And then Trips gets kind of his hamstring little. He's got his short all the way rolled up to his top of his hip. Oh my! It, that big not, white thigh. Don't put it out and there, Brian. He's man, gotta be I thought, healthy next game week. I I thought he might have a hamstring injury and be off at halftime. Instead, he gets an assist around the 60th minute. Plays another 20 minutes. Comes off at the 81st minute. Then. Newcastle go on to concede. It was a perfect situation for you because like you've said before, a lot of people have double Newcastle defense. And so one of those clean sheets get wiped and you are in utter bliss with this captaincy shout. Yeah, Brian, you sent me a message where you were reflecting that that Trippier captaincy call was good for about 200,000 place increase in the ranking. So Kieran Trippier, I know how to pronounce your name. I love you, man. Very impressive <laughs> performance. And I mean, we Bucks. Just, oh, it Bucks. Was amazing. This, this is this is such a big balls moment for you. Like honestly, like the majority of people captained Trossard, KDB, Holland. You know that was my cap. He came in for ten points. So you're getting fourteen, like ten to fourteen points up on the rest of the field in a very tight, congested overall rank range. So hats off to you, man. That's got to feel amazing. We should talk about some of the other players who I didn't ship out because I kept Will Zaha. He ends up with 12 points. That was huge. Yes, sir. Holland gets five. I had Saka and Trossard each get five. Six points from Danny Ward, who's turned into a vacuum for letting in goals. And now he is just a brick wall. And I also had Darwin Nunez for seven points. So a really complete team effort led by my captain, KT. Kieran Trippier, uh, yeah, this was a dream game week. The way that things came off, 
in the right way. The fact that my captain switch actually went through with the down service, uh, I got very fortunate. Yeah, and again, it's one of those moments where on Saturday after the fixtures, eh, you're not feeling so hot. You know, Cancelo gets a minus two. He gets the red card, so he's out. Holland does nab a goal, so he's in most teams for a captaincy at, you know, 10 or 12 points, depending on a bonus was going to shake out. And you're on very few points, but wow, Sunday was big for you. Absolutely. Let's go to you, Brian. How'd your team perform in game week 15? Saw a green arrow. Very stoked about that. I end up on 64 points all out. I had two free transfers last week. I moved Tony and Andreas to Kelm Wilson and Miggy for that double up versus Southampton, which proved to be the right call. Southampton gave up four goals to Newcastle and it was a match where Miggy gets another goal. So he's just on absolute crazy form, his fourth goal in four games. And he puts up eight points for my team. That was big, but I had four players bring in double digit hauls, including my captain, which was Holland. And that was a bit of a roller coaster for when he came on to push for the game winning goal, even though they were down to 10 men, he gets a goal opportunity chalked off from a KDB to Holland early header. And then that gets chalked off. So I'm like, Oh, I'm on two points for my captain. And then Holland gets the late, late pen and KDB actually drew it. So it helped everybody who went with KDB or Holland for that late shout and Fulham, unfortunately miss a uh, opportunity to get one point at the Etihad, but yeah, elsewhere Zaha coming for 12 points, kept the faith. And he was just not a priority transfer out for me and on pen. So I decided to keep him 12 points and also had Trippier for 12. And then the last moment of the game week, Mo Salah just nabs a brace, begs a brace in the first half versus Spurs. I was at a bar with some of our mini league mates, a few of my good friends, Andy, and also Justin. Justin's having a fantastic first season. I think he's top 100K in his first ever season at this point. So he's really enjoying the mechanics of the game and learning how to play FPL. And he's flying. So we were cheering on uh, the chaos. Mostly none of us support either of those teams um, directly, (laughs) but we were just supporting for chaos and goals. And Justin had Kane and I had Salah. So we had a lot to celebrate over some early Guinnesses and Irish coffees. Very nice. Yeah. Listen, it's always great when we get green arrows Game week average was at 53 points. So all things being equal, it was a pretty healthy game week across the board. But the manager of the game week put us all to shame, and that is Connor Hunt and his team, Spain without the S. We're hearing his name and his team shout out a ton on this podcast. And that is with good reason, because he is now up to 8,300 in the world. And he went up 36,000 spots this game week alone, and that is because his team scored 83 points. His team beat the average by 30 full points, which is absolutely incredible. Connor has been listening closely to the team news because he moved in Julian Alvarez and captained him for 18 points. That's a major differential. Mo Salah adds 15, Trippier 12, Kane with eight, KDB grabs seven, and Andreas comes off the bench for an additional six with Ben White, Bakayo Saka rounding it out with five apiece. So bravo to Connor. He is also notably 
top of our mini league, the FPL Blues Podcast League. Connor sits in first place. He has a score on the season of 939. We have Sauce, Matthias Sarte. He's in second, <laughs> 938. We shouted you out last game week, Matthias. Next up, Wu-Tang Huang, Amar Solanke at 919. And the top four is rounded out by Invincible United, Michael Jesse at 912. It's not over. There's still time to catch these four, but it is getting really elite at the top of our mini league, to say the least. Love seeing those high scores and set, setting the bar for us to go after Bucks. Unfortunately, you and I are not the leapers we once were, and it's going to be hard to leapfrog our other managers to the top. But uh, Spain without the S, congrats on a huge game week and propelling you into the top 10K overall. Time for some calisthenics and maybe some uh, some booster inserts for both of our sneakers. Let's take our first break. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. Let's recap some of the top performers of game week 15. And let's start with one Mo Salah. A differential of sorts for many managers now that people have flocked to the likes of KDB. And wow, what a transfer that is this week where you move out Salah to then captain KDB. KDB obviously gets 14 points as your captain, but it hurts to have had Salah in your side for so long and then to see him get a brace versus a rather tough match versus Tottenham. So 15 points, maximum bonus. And honestly, this is the only way that Mo Salah has gotten any bonus this season. He has to have two returns in order to get any bonus. So that was very crucial and his largest haul of the season. So happy to own him for this one. And versus Southampton this upcoming week, he's going to be in the goals once again, I think. Isn't it shocking that this is his largest tally of the season? I was looking back when we were coming up with this rundown and I was stunned that he doesn't really have many double digit hauls. So uh, this is not the season of classic Mo, but I think he now has 12 returns on the season. So uh, I think anyone else in the Premier League would be thrilled with that kind of output. But the Egyptian King, we've come to expect some really lofty output. So uh, he's still having an all round quality season. Yeah, his price tag is just so high. So a lot of people have moved him on to the likes of KDB and and such throughout the season and Liverpool has been so up and down. So I'm very happy to have received this 15 point gift before heading into the Southampton match where, Hey, maybe he can return again. Who's up next bucks. Next up is Gabrielle, the defender from Arsenal. He also ends up on 15 points with a goal clean sheet and three bonus. Interesting note that Gabrielle is not included in the Brazil provisional world cup team. So I think he is going to be a really popular player that is brought in to, by a lot of managers on world cup wildcard. Cause he's going to be rested and this arsenal defense are a juggernaut and fair to say that they were so dominant over Chelsea. The fact that he gets the game winning and only goal of this match, super flattering to our team. That was a interesting match. The Arsenal versus Chelsea match was a tough one. I woke up at about 3.30 a.m. Pacific time, couldn't sleep, was dread, kind of dreading waking up for that match, but at the same time, I couldn't sleep. 
and it went about as well as I thought it would. Arsenal just clearly the better team right now. Better form, better continuity from defense to midfield all the way to the top. I thought Jesus put in a really good performance in this game. He was everywhere on the pitch, had some great dribbles. He's been underperforming his XG of late, but he's very involved. And I think this was a little bit flattering for Chelsea to only lose 1-0. But hey, Potter's going to take some more time, hopefully settle the squad in. But at this point, I don't know if we're definitely going to make Champions League next year. No, it's not looking good. That was a good old-fashioned ass-kicking, to say the least. Let's keep it moving. Kieran Trippier up next. We shouted him out earlier. 12 points, assist, clean sheet, and three bonus. 13th return of the season. So he has as many returns as KDB so far. Only less than one Erling Holland. So he's been the budget standout of this young Premier League season. FPL, he's a must-have. The fact that there's... 30% of managers that don't have him, uh, those must be zombie teams because he should be owned by 100% of active players. Next up, we have Wilfred Zaha. He is one who, similar to Salah, is usually bad on bonus, but he got two returns, a goal in the first half, and then a late assist for the winner to Michael Olise. And Crystal Palace beat West Ham away. Very impressive performance for Vieira, who have been struggling a bit in attack. So that was a solid win. And Zaha, one of um, a few players that you and I have kept the faith in. And it was great to see that repaid in a big way with 12 points. Next up, they're away at Nottingham Forest. And he's a great punt, even if you don't have him in your side this game week. Totally agreed. Let's get one more in the top performers. And that is James Madison. Star performance looking to break into the England three Lions team. He ends up with 11 points, two assists, and two bonus. He was clearly the best player on the pitch in this match. And it was really funny after the game. This is not contributing to FPL points, but he was with Yuri Tillemans in the post-game interview, and he received the Man of the Match award. And Tillemans just looked at him because he might have scored the goal of the season, from outside the box on this absurd rocket to the far corner. And he looks at Madison and goes, really, this guy is going to get the awards and not me. It was hilarious. <laughs> He's Belgian, so he doesn't speak like that. But it was it was amazing. You just saw the eye roll, the everything uh, from his teammate. But uh, he should be appreciative. He's playing with a real talent in Madison. Yeah, and like you said, he's pushing to make that late call-up for the World Cup team. I just think he offers a lot of creativity that other players on this England potential side for the World Cup do not have, especially in midfield. He can create something out of nothing, and there are only a few players that can do that with the ball either dribbling or making passes inside of the foot, outside of the boot. He can do it all, and I think he's in a pretty good form this season, too. So it'll be interesting to see if Southgate brings him up for a rather lackluster attack at times for three Lions. He's a must-make-the-team from my eyes. I mean, I think it's absurd that he's not uh, in the 25 best English players. Come on, get real. Let's go to the honorable mention. <laughs> this features Get real, another- Southgate. Get real. You heard that yeah, from Come on, Fox put in your eyes, in Gareth. Come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> Let's look at some high-scoring enablers that make the honorable mention this game week. First and foremost, Tavernier, 4.9 million Bournemouth midfielder, was actually the top-scoring player in FPL for game week 15. 
he's owned by like no one in the game. So that's why he's not a real top performer, so to speak. But he had 16 points, a goal, two assists, and three bonus, albeit in a losing effort for Bournemouth. What a mixed bag of emotions, right? Like you're having your career match, couple assists, have a goal, and you still lose after blowing a 3-1 lead to Leeds. Tough, tough one for him, but definitely an individual standout for this game week. Totally. And uh, that is true for a number of players here. Jacob Ramsey, also individual standout, 14 points, 5.2 million. He had a goal, two assists, an own goal, and still got three bonus. (laughs) Guy was scoring for everyone. If you showed up to the ballpark, this guy was assisting or scoring a goal in that net. So uh, he just didn't know. He was, he was so on fire, he couldn't even direct it in the right direction sometimes. I'm glad he still got the three bonus in that match because he did play very well. The own goal was, like, absurd. He was maybe 20 yards away from goal, and Luke Shaw takes a long effort from outside the box, and it just glances off his shoulder and just drops on the other side of the net of De Gea. So I'm glad that he uh, he wrecked that up. And, hey, pretty impressive W for Unai Emery's first match. And they went 3-1 versus United. United put out a mixed bag. They had a lot of injuries, a couple of people with the sniffles, no Anthony, no Fernandez because he was suspended due to his yellow card pileup. So a good first win for Unai Emery. Unai Emery has Man United's number, uh, no matter what <laughs> squad he's in charge of. So I just That's want right. to throw some shade. Let's get two more in. Somerville, Crescentio Somerville. That is a tough name. 13 points, 4.4 million enabler. He had a goal, assist, and three bonus. And if you've been watching these Leeds matches, he's a player that is passing the eye test in a big way. Uh, He's a newer player, and he seems to be fitting in with that squad in a great way. I think he pairs really nicely with Rodrigo, 4.4 million. He could be a great one-week punt at Spurs, But I think that's a tougher match and there might be better opportunities elsewhere. But if you're looking to shed Bailey or Andreas because they have tougher fixtures, Somerville might be a great option at the World Cup wildcard. Yeah, very interesting. He's 4.4 million. He's got three goals in his last three matches and he's started three out of the last four, four leads. So interesting to see with the likes of Bamford not producing. We've also seen a drop off from Jack Harrison as well. And then we're seeing players like Somerville take his opportunity, get a few crucial goals. He had the winner versus Liverpool. So Jesse Marsh has all the lads on the squad ready to go. And a secondary shout out for Leeds is Sam Greenwood. He comes in with a goal and an assist off the pine. And he was a player that I think he's like 4.2 or 4.3 million striker that a lot of people had at the beginning of the season. And he did pretty well actually in preseason, but he's just a young player. So he's not going to get a ton of minutes, but both him and Somerville really put on a performance and helped them claw back a gutsy, gutsy win for the American side. That was the game of the weekend for sure. Four, three thriller. Let's go now to the not so great, the bottom of the barrel. Let's go to the floppers starting with Jow. Jow, Jow, you jowed us really bad this game week. You, you canceled out some much needed points for many managers. He gets a 26 minute red card, gives away a PK and earns a minus two. And for many managers who captained him as a differential, 
painful Oof. minus four. Yikes. You hate you, you hate to open the app and refresh and see that that's the score with a minus four. My condolences. Yeah, and it should be mentioned that because there is a midweek cup match, that his suspension will not transfer over to game week 16. So he is eligible. Do not transfer him out. Keep him in your starting lineups. Do not lose faith. I would say safe to say outside of Kieran Trippier, he's been the most consistent and best defender this season. So uh, he's a must own for game week 16. I would not be punting him out. Whereas some of the other guys we're going to mention later, maybe it's time for them to be kicked to the curb. Yeah, very fortunate for FPL managers on the Cancelo fronts. I still think Cancelo was one of the top transferred out players over the weekend because managers see that he got a red card minus points and just rage transferred him out, not knowing that he would not be suspended for the home match versus Brentford, which is going to be a great opportunity for a clean sheet for the likes of the citizens. And then this midweek fixture is actually for the Carabout Cup, not the Carabao. Let's care about the cup bucks we have city versus chelsea so there was a chance that he was going to play heavy minutes in that one and now he should be well rested to destroy brentford agreed not to be outdone though Semedo from wolves gets a straight red card as well he oh, ends up with goodness. minus three for fpl purposes not as popular as Cancelo by any means but if you were unlucky enough to have both of them which we should just tip that one of the Twitter accounts that was trolling that said that Holland would for sure start actually had both these guys and Captain Cancelo. So if that isn't karma for being a troll, I don't know what else is. So uh, you got what you deserved, uh, unnamed Twitter account that we're not going to give more shine to. But uh, Cancelo negative, Semedo negative, two red cards in one game week. Next up, we have a few disappointing forwards, both getting one point, and that includes Callum Wilson and DCL, who were a couple of players that managers were turning to with their forwards not being able to suit up for game week 15. One point each. It's really frustrating because I obviously, and I think you did as well, brought in Callum Wilson this game week. And I think, again, we the analysis of bringing him in was correct. We brought him in a little bit earlier in the week, didn't know he had the snuffles. Then pressers came out, said he was going to be fine. He you know, took his meds, got some extra sleep. He was ready to go. And unfortunately, the illness, the plague was still treading on his tires and he was ripped off at halftime. I think he's going to be fine for the Chelsea match, but just something to uh, keep track of in case it gets any worse. He was kind of unfortunate to not get a return, even just in 45 minutes. There was a potential penalty shout, which obviously he would have taken. And just the way Newcastle are informed, they're banging three or four goals on everyone. Uh, we'll get to our predictions for game week 16 matches. I'm not sure that's going to stop against Chelsea. So he's definitely a hold uh, for us. Let's go to one last one. Diego Delo. Man, some of these players get some really untimely fifth yellow cards, and that's what Delo <laughs> did. He's yep. sitting on a zero pointer, and yeah, that's brutal. He's a must transfer out if you have two free transfers, and I would say he's def he needs to be third bench any other situation. Yeah, it's very unfortunate because he was coming off a nine-point game week 14, and he was basically a must start if you owned him and comes up with a big goose egg, so... Um, yeah, I think, uh, looking at your squad box, those are the only two 
bad parts about your game week were the negative two from Cancelo. And then right next to him, you got a goose egg from uh, Diogo Delo. Yeah. Ain't, ain't that the trips of this game week? Oh my guanta. All right. Let's look ahead to game week 16 to the best matches for FPL returns. And that starts with the opening game. Again, City are involved. Brentford at City. We shout out Cancelo, Holland, KDB, maybe even Foden. I think your triple up on City have to be full go and probably the most likely selection for captaincy in game week 16. So this one's a tough match as well because we're going to get leaks again. They are the first match of the game week, which is very frustrating. And looking at the calendar, after daylight savings time, this is going to be a 4.30 a.m. match on Saturday. So I will definitely not be anywhere near up for leaks. So a bit frustrating. Maybe we'll get the leaks a little sooner uh, the night before and I can potentially rip out Foden again. But uh, you want to have the triple up if possible there. And we expect Erling Holland to start that match. He looked fantastic in the limited minutes. He obviously was such a goal threat and City's whole attack looked completely different. I mean, Alvarez, credit to him, did great in the in the starting role, but Holland is a different beast and I expect him to start this last match and then, hey, he'll get uh, 30 full days off for the World Cup since he's not participating. Isn't that amazing? Next up, Southampton travel to Liverpool. Notably, Southampton will be on the new manager bump because they have let go of Ralph Hasenhudel since they got demolished by Newcastle four to one. Sorry, Ralph, but uh, I think this is a wait and see on their players. I'm not sure what the expectation was with this side, extremely young, not rife with jump off the page talent outside of JWP. And yeah, they're just, they're not so good. They're like kind of set up to be a low to mid table team. So I'm not sure why the manager is the one that falls on the sword here, but uh, I think Liverpool will take the sword to them at home in front of the Anfield faithful. Yeah, honestly, I've, I've had a lot of respect for Hassan Hoodle because he's never really had a very strong squad and they always seem to find a way to stay up. I mean, their last five years, their top players have been Danny Ings and JWP. And outside of that, I was actually looking this up during the Liverpool match, just kind of backing Hassan Hoodle. If you look at their back line, the goalkeeper is 20 years old. Then they have two other starters in their back four that are under 21. Like, what do you expect when you're going up against these top tier teams when you have a lineup like that? So inexperienced, just a lack of talent. And honestly, I don't know how many years he was at the club, but he kept him up for many, many seasons. So I'm sure he'll find a job someplace else at some point. And I hope that he has better talent. Um, at a different time in his career. Yeah, agreed. I, I really rate him as manager. I'm not so sure that this was his fault, so to speak, but uh, yeah, this, this is what happens. I mean, if you're, yeah, should... you don't invest in your club that, you know, you're not going to have players to compete in the toughest league of them all. So. Yeah, exactly. And I think this match for Liverpool is a um, big opportunity for them to get back to back three points in the table. So I expect a, 3-0 Liverpool W playing at Anfield versus Southampton. Oh, you beat me to it. I was going to say 3-0, and I actually think that that City-Brentford match, let's just uh, rewind the clocks a little bit here, I think that's going to be 4-0 to City. I'll go with um, I'll go with 3-0 as well. Another clean sheet for City, and I think when we look at these potential defenses, I know you have 
TAA. I have Cancelo and you have Cancelo. So hopefully we'll finally get um, some stud performances from our top FPL rated fullbacks. That jinx was brought to you by Brian Chin. Next, Chelsea <laughs> travel to Tyneside to play against Buzzsaw Newcastle. This is going to be a painful watch for both of us as Chelsea fans. I'm hopeful that it will be 2-1, but I think my heart is telling me it's going to be 3-1 to Newcastle. Were you thinking your heart 2-1 Chelsea win or... Yeah, uh, but I, I my head is like, come on, you know better than that. You you've been watching this team all season. You've been watching both these teams. That is uh that's asking too much. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with two one Newcastle victory. I think if you have Miggy, if you have Almiron, you have Trips, you have Calm Wilson, you just start them. They will probably one of them should get a decent haul. And Newcastle just are a completely different team playing at Tyneside. So I'm a bit fearful of, of this match before a long break. So if Chelsea get two back-to-back L's going to put us in a sour puss mood. That's for sure. Three, three back-to-back L's going into the break. Oh yeah. We got three. smashed by Brighton. Sheesh. Last up on the matches to target Arsenal travel to Wolves. Wolves cannot keep clean sheets at this point in time. And Arsenal are humming along at top of the table and deservedly. So I think this is, uh, 4-0 to Arsenal. I'm going to go with a 2-0 Arsenal win away. And if you have your three, two or three players from Arsenal, you're excited for this match. Could be in a big opportunity for points. Defensively, Ramsdale, Gabriel, Saliba, they all look great. So definitely start them this week. And lastly, I think just looking at Arsenal, they're going to cruise into this huge World Cup break number one in the table. Absolutely fantastic job by them and the most respect for what they've done at the club. And this is going to be a great vindication uh, kind of break where their fans will have the utmost belief in them heading into the World Cup break. Unreal. Lastly, from a peer watch standpoint, Leeds are going to play Tottenham. And I think with Kulu potentially back, this could be another high scoring affair, but I would have to lean towards Tottenham probably getting a 3-1 victory and a bounce-back performance after losing to Liverpool. Really, I'm I'm going the other way. I think this is going to be a much tighter match than we might expect based on their place in the table. I think this is going to be 2-2 barn burner. I think that there's going to be tons of ground covered. And the fact is that Tottenham are without their offensive firepower, but I think Leeds don't really play such great defense. I think Kane <laughs> grabs a goal and I think Sessignon gets a goal or maybe Hoiberg, who's unreal for goal scoring perspective this season. Uh, so I think it's going to be a little random and I think Leeds are going to just snatch two goals out of nothing. So I think this is two, two and uh, that's a frustrating result for Spurs. Wow. I, I will definitely uh, let you have Leeds win and the uh, draw and I'll, I'll bet you a friendly beer that the Tottenham Spurs get the W in this one. Brian, on some podcasts, we're going to have to let the listeners in on the kegger that you are amassing from our friendly <laughs> bets. Uh, it's yeah, not, not going not so yet. well for me. FPL yeah, not, is going much yet, better for it's... me. Yeah, it's going better for me in the FPL standing. It's going a lot better for you in the uh, in the friendly beer discussion. 
That's right. We're going to get a full a full kegger, not even a quarter barrel. It's going to be full by the time the season's over. Um, one other match I want to talk about is West Ham versus Leicester. So this is a match where two of these teams feel like they should get all three points. So I think they'll be going for it. Both teams defensively have really uh, shored up things in the back. And I'd probably lean towards Leicester getting these points at West Ham once again, 2-1. What are your thoughts there? Wow, that's a that's a bold call if I've ever heard one. I think this is a has draw written all over it, and it's a frustrating one-one where both teams are making attack-minded subs at the end of the game, but can't find a finish. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really believe in either of these teams, but uh, they are string some decent results together at the moment. All right, that's the game week fifteen preview. We'll be right back with community questions and one-week punts. We'll be right back. Let's go. We're back. Let's open up that mailbag for some community questions. Let's start with our Twitter following. FPL Masala Nihal asks, who are the best one-week striker punts for under $8 million. Something tells me that Nihal has a very specific hole to fill with this, with this question. I think, for me, Callum Wilson has to be the choice. But if you already have triple Newcastle, I really like of backing Julian Alvarez again. That would be my big punt. I think he's proven enough that if you don't have triple up on City, that he would be my go. If you sold Foden, maybe because of transfer news, because of team news before game week 15, and you have the City spot open, I expect he will get 30 minutes to run at that Southampton defense, and I think he can do something in that time frame, and he is a differential. I know Brian hates that. I see it on his face. Yeah, I mean, you know he's going to get subbed off early or or he's going to be on the bench. So I would not be going with Alvarez. I think this is a match where Holland starts again. Holland will not play at the World Cup. So there's really, it's a good time for him to get his stretch in one last time before then. At 8 million, I think Gabriel Jesus is my pick. He's been underperforming his XG, but he's heavily involved. And I think he could actually grab a goal, maybe some scrappy mistakes are made in the Wolves back line and he could pounce on that. So I would go with, with uh, Jesus there and Calum Wilson home versus Chelsea, not the greatest match, but honestly, I think Chelsea are playing more like a mid table team than a, you know, big six side. So I would also start him with confidence. Let's go to the next question. Thank you, Nihal, for that great one. Nick Hazi asks if Miguel Almiron, if Miggy is a must-have with how well Newcastle are performing and how well his form has been in the last almost month and a half now. He's he's really been stringing together some consistent st- some consistent star performances for Newcastle as kind of an out-of-position second striker role. Uh I've been really impressed with him. I wish I could easily get to him, but I can't. So he will be one of the first names in my World Cup wildcard team sheet, but I'm unfortunately kind of blocked from getting him for game week 16. Yeah, honestly, there's no rush to bring him in for this match versus Chelsea. I think there are 
better punts based on the fixtures elsewhere. Um, but I do agree with you bucks that he is an essential pick on the wild card for the world cup. Don't fret. If you're going to miss out a few, you know, point ones here or there on his current value. But given the fact that during the world cup break prices will be locked. And so you won't have to worry about tons and tons of managers bringing him in. And so that'll also be a reason why you can wait another week. He might only price rise once and then, It'll be locked in um, before the game week 17 deadline. Yeah, rather than Almiron, one player similarly priced that I think I'd be going for instead would be Eze. He's, again, mid 5 million. He's currently 5.7 million, and he's owned by less than 5% of the game, and they get to play Forest in game week 16. So that Love kind that. of answers one of our commandments, which is target the worst defenses and forced are that. So I really like Eze instead of Miguel Almiron if you don't have them yet. So uh, I think Miggy is a skip at this point based on the fixture and based on the fact that we might have missed the boat here. So uh, I would just wait till the World Cup to make unlimited transfers and get him that way. I would take a higher upside play in game week 16. In all likelihood, your transfer is going to be moving out like a 8 million pound midfielder and if you're going to do that we'll give a few shouts in our watch list who could be better punts just based on potential upside and again like it's going to be more fun to punt on a player that you're not going to have in your game week 17 side whereas miggy he's going to really jump in ownership for game week 17 and he's going to be a player that's going to be an enabler and in your side for quite a long time given newcastle's form and where they sit in the table this season Totally agree. Let's go to Ankar Telekar. He asks how to deal with Pep Roulette and more specifically, Oy vey. this is going to be a big issue in game week 16, just like it was in game week 15, because Pep never gives anything away in the press conferences. And the unfortunate reality is that game week 16 has a more standard start time. So the transfer deadline is going to be Smack in the middle of the night for you, Brian, if you're on the West Coast of the United States. And for Ankar and I on the East Coast, it's going to be bright and early in the morning. So that gives a big advantage to the European players and the home country uh, British contingent of FPL. So I think this is just the reality. This is why he has his own phrase, pep roulette. This is what we've learned to live with. And we suffer through it as FPL addicts. Yeah, to be honest, after years of playing this FPL game, this is just something that happens with Pep. I think that if you are in a position to just hold your three city players long-term, that's what I would focus on doing. So when you look at somebody like Foden, obviously it's been super frustrating that he's had three one-point cameos in a row. With that being said, I still think that he's a great asset to own, especially if you hold him long-term. You don't know when he's going to get a Patrick or his, you know, one goal, one assist and bonus points. But, but if you can stomach that, I think he's still honestly a great option. And I think hypothetically something might've happened behind the scenes. So Pep is playing him less in the premier league and focusing on him as an asset for champions league. But I still think he's a great shout. And honestly, one thing I'm considering on my world cup wildcard or unlimited transfer phase is to go triple city attack with Foden, KDB, and Holland, 
And so that's something that's actively on my mind because I do think that he's just one of the highest upside players in that 8 million pound bracket for midfielders. So yeah, you just have to stomach those one pointers from time to time. And the majority of your players do blank. So getting a one pointer versus getting a three pointer, it's just going to happen. I think it's the benchings that are frustrating, but just sit tight with who you have. Fortunately, our listeners can't see my face most episodes, but if they would have just seen my head nearly explode uh, onto the Zoom screen uh, when Brian said that he was going to have a triple up on Pep Roulette's attack. Holy cannoli. That is going to be reason for FPL Blues on some future episodes. (laughs) Let's jump into the one week punt watch list. Now, this is super important. We are at the final game week before the World Cup, where the game will go on hiatus for a number of weeks. And that means that this is where all the marbles are made in game week 16. So if you have two free transfers, if you have one free transfer, it's time to get wild and wacky with it. Take some risks that are calculated. And here are some players that we really are tipping to be potential high point scorers in game week 16. Let's start with defense. Yeah, we're just going to go through three or four players that we kind of rate for this game week. A player that I'm eyeing potentially is Castagna at Leicester. He's been playing a very advanced role. Leicester are putting up a few goals per match, and it's been a remarkable turnaround. From Fantasy Football Scout, they've actually kept more clean sheets, five, conceded fewer goals, three, in the last seven game weeks. So they've really come together as a defensive unit. Ward is playing well, and he boasts solid attacking threat. In a match versus the likes of West Ham, West Ham put up an XG of 0.26 in their last match versus Crystal Palace, who have been pretty leaky, and that was a home fixture. So I could definitely see the away team in Leicester keeping a clean sheet versus West Ham. Great shout. 4.7 million, so pretty easy to get to, uh, which makes it even more appealing. Next, Gabriel from Arsenal. He just put together a 15-point performance against Chelsea, and so he has the goal threat. Arsenal have been one of the most stout defensive units this whole season. Issue is he's slightly expensive, but I still think he offers way more upside, and that's what we're chasing here, versus a player like Ben White. So he would be my choice of Arsenal defenders if you don't already have the triple up. Yeah, and even if you're comparing Gabriel to Saliba, Saliba's got two goals this season. He's not known for his attacking threat, whereas we expect to have five goals a season from Gabriel, and he's not going to the World Cup, which was an interesting reveal today from the Brazil side. So maybe he'll play angry and he'll be throwing his body around in the box on these corners versus wolves and making them look like pups. Haha. <laughs> Next, Perisic. He was playing out of position Normally, we say defenders play out of position in midfield. This guy was playing out of position <laughs> as a second striker. I don't think I've ever seen that tactic before in all my years of Premier League fandom. Very unfortunate to not get an attacking return in this match. Uh, obviously, Spurs conceded before they knew what hit them, but uh, I, he was so close on a number of occasions, and he was playing super advanced. Work. Yeah, super advanced. I think he's going to start. And so at 5.5 million, I would bet that he can get uh, at least close to an attacking return against Leeds and their leaky defense. 
Yeah, he's just one of those high upside players who has not scored a goal yet this season, and usually he's good for five to seven goals. Um, he's played it more advanced in the past, kind of that midfielder role. Right now he's a defender for a decent side, and they need his creativity. I'll be definitely paying attention to press conferences and predicted lineups on him. His price tag is a little bit difficult to manage if you only have one free transfer because you're not going to be moving out trips. You're not going to be moving out Cancelo. So you're likely to have a maybe 4.5 defender. So he might be hard to stretch to for most managers, but again, he's got attacking returns in him for assists on the season. He's on all the set pieces because Sun is injured. And I think that's what really is the route to his points for the Spurs. Want to throw in one ultimate punt here and that's Tyreek Mitchell. I would say this is as punty as you can get. He is a very low ownership player, 1% owned, 4.5 million. If you watch that Palace-West Ham match, he was playing incredibly attacking. He was in the box almost as much, if not more, than Wilf Zaha was. So I really like this as a potential bet on the clean sheet with the attacking potential. But I'm going to use potential in air quotes because he doesn't really have a history of assists or goals, but it was just from the eye test. I think Forrest are a team you can target with defenders. So I would say his baseline is, I would expect a four and a half points from him. Um, and if all goes right, I think he could get nine points in this match. Yeah. He had two shots in the box versus West Ham and definitely had a pretty solid match. I'm actually uh, thinking about fading Mark Gahey, who is in my current 15 right now and i'm not gonna probably start him versus um forest to have been a bit a bit scrappy you know they they did come back and got the late uh equalizer 2-2 in in the match so i'm not a big fan of crystal palace defense this season i thought they would be a little bit more stout but it's really unpredictable between their back line and their attack on where the points are going to come from so i think there are other options but i'll let you uh own that pick when he pulls in his first 12 pointer of the season Yes, sir. Let's go to midfield. Uh, we got a couple more we got to get through, starting with the Spurs man. Kulusevsky. I think he's a player who looked and honestly, he turned the game upside down when he came in for Spurs, especially knowing that they had to get back in the game. And he's just a player that can carry the ball. He sees the field with such vision. And I think that he really changes the game if he can be fully fit and play and start this match versus Leeds. I don't know if he'll play the full 90, but I expect him to start and play 60 minutes and that'll shift Perisic back to left wing back and he'll play up top with Kane, with Son and the likes of Richarlison still injured. But Kulu early days and last season was a huge asset and I think he's a great one-week punt heading into this match versus Leeds. Nice shout. Let's go to James Madison. We were just fawning over his season so far. 8.2 million. And I think he's just the talisman player. Uh, he's the clear talisman player exactly. at Leicester. And he's has double-digit returns in him in any match. So this is a more challenging match, I think, against West Ham than we might be giving credence to. But I don't think that means that he can't get at least one return. So I think that he's a player that has everything to play for and he's going to leave it out on the pitch. And so I expect he's going to get 90 minutes. And I think that if Lester are expecting to get a result and three points away at the hammers, he's going to need to have a big performance. So I really like this pick. 
yeah, his ceiling is is very high. So we love that for FPL. Last week, he had four chances created, to, which ended up in two assists. And then he had eight shots versus Everton. So definitely the potential for a big score. Keeping it moving, we got Trossard. He's actually already in my team at $7 million. He bagged nice. 10 FPL returns, and he plays home to Villa. I don't know about this Villa team. I, is this a good match? Is this a not-so-good match? Who knows what team is going to show up? We have up. no idea. Yeah, but you know what? Brighton tend to flatter in front of their home crowd, so I'm expecting that they will get the result, and I'm hopeful that Trossard continues to play closer to goal as the out-and-out striker as opposed to uh, it left wing-back, which I totally hate from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I think when we come back on the other side of the World Cup wild card, I'll be looking at replacing Zaha with somebody like Trossard in my side in that £7 million bracket. And then lastly, we talked about him tons and tons and tons of times over the last couple of weeks. But Miggy, if you ride the hot hand, Shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. This man is in form. You can't fault bringing him in for a one-week punt at home versus Chelsea. Going to strikers now, Darwin Nunez has to be the first name on any potential punty watch list. He's expensive, though, which is the big issue. $8.9 million. He created a big chance for Salah. He had four shots against Spurs, and Southampton are not a defensive juggernaut like Spurs are known to be. So I expect that he's going to have a lot of joy in this match. And Kyle Walker-Peters, who normally would be playing in the spot directly across from Darwin, is out with injury. So yeah, love me some Darwin. Good good nugget there. Yeah, really love that. And I think, I don't know if the sacked manager bounce is going to be enough to save Southampton at Anfield. And Southampton have the history of giving up a few absolute clunkers where they let six to eight goals go past them. So I don't think that'll happen in this match, but again, we predicted a comfortable win for Liverpool. So Salah and Nunez, they are linking up a bit better. Even just the fact that Nunez passed to him a few times, it was a difference maker compared to previous matches. So hopefully he's getting more comfortable in the side and they can play better with each other. Oh, I hated that. I hated that so much. Let's go to the next Goal, one. Oh, Salah. I'm, I'm looking at it and Salah's on a brace and Darwin's just continuing to pass the ball to him. Like, bro, you were the most selfish player in the Premier League for the 14 game weeks leading up to this match against Spurs. <laughs> what happened? Come on. Next. Yeah, still ended up on two bonus though. I mean, hey, you, hey, you got to be stoked hey, about that. Hey. I'll, I'll take the points any way they come, baby. Solanke is next. 5.7 million. He continues to get returns. I don't I don't know if I love this match for Bournemouth. They're home against Everton, but I, I think I don't know. I'm I'm not certain that this is going to be an explosive match. So I think it's there's not so much upside going for Solanke unless you have two free transfers and you're trying to get in someone else. Um so maybe you're downgrading Callum Wilson to Slanky and you're going Foden to KDB, just as an example. Uh so in that situation, I really like it. Otherwise, Solanke as a standalone doesn't doesn't do it for me. Yeah, this is actually a relatively big match. Right now we have Everton in 16th place and Bournemouth in 17th place in the table. So it's actually a pretty big match. I think that we've actually seen somehow, I don't know how, but 
Bournemouth are manufacturing more goals than Everton are. So it could be an interesting shout. I think, like you said, if you had two free transfers and you're trying to fund larger moves, then this would be an opportunity to bring him in as an enabler, scored a goal, he's on pens, and could be uh, helpful to your side. Yeah, one quick thing about this match, DCL is now flagged with a potential re-injury of his hamstring, so that's really bad news for Everton. Um, oh, it's mop-eye time, baby, Neilio. I don't know. I think we could see Anthony Gordon playing out of position as striker, but uh, who knows? There's a lot to be revealed in game week 16 between these two mid-table teams. Let's go to the last punt. He's not really such a differential, though, because he's still owned by almost 50% of the game, but that is Gabriel Jesus. The guy is just producing outsized returns in real life, but he's not really been the FPL asset I think many hoped and dreamed he would be. But he is getting chances, so they're going to come good. He has a strong XG. He's third in XGI, expected goal involvement from the forward position, and he's just massively underperforming his expected goal tally. So we both are in agreement, Brian, that Wolves are going to get dominated by Arsenal. So I'm optimistic that Jesus can bag at least one return. Yeah, and those stats are over the last six matches. When you watch him IRL, he's a fantastic player. He's doing so much for the squad and helping enable the rest of the attack. So I would say that Arteta would be very happy with the way that Jesus has played this season in his first season at the Emirates. With that being said, and even in the last match versus Chelsea, the commentators were like, hey, you're playing great. Take a selfish shot from time to time. He did have a few opportunities where he got the ball at the top of the box versus kind of a one and one in the with uh, Chelsea defender, and he laid it off to Saka on the right, uh, who was flanking. But there are a few times where he could be a little bit more aggressive, and he has the finishing capability in him. Although he's not, you know, prolific, he's definitely a, a solid player who can hit a wide range of shots. So we'd like to see him bang this weekend versus Southampton if you have him. I don't know if I want that because that will be a massive rank drop for both of us. But uh, with that, let's go to our final break. When we come back, we'll do our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. Here we go, boys and girls. We have our captaincy and some transfer talk here. Bucks, you and I both have one free transfer. So let's make the most of it. A one-week punt. What are your plans heading into game week 16? So I actually have more money in the bank than I thought. I guess I got some price rise luck on the weekend. I have one free transfer and 1.5 million in the bank. I am considering Andreas to Eze. I know I mentioned him earlier in the podcast. I like the idea of doubling Uh. up on Zaha and Eze and just going full hog going after it in a big way against Forrest. I also think I have Delow, who's not going to play at all. And I have a double up on Liverpool defenders. So I might take a little bit of a punt. If we hear news from Paul O'Keefe, who's a Spurs in the no account on Twitter, that Perisic is for sure starting. That might be my move instead, but I kind of like the idea of the attacking play. So, uh, A lot remains to be seen, but for sure, I'm going to be part of the sheep, the flock this game week. I'm putting the captain's armband on my bus team firmly on Erling Holland for game week 16 against Brentford. Bucks, how much do you have in the bank right now? 
I have 1.5 million. Wow. So you're thinking of fading Miggy, who is just absolutely scorching hot and going with Eze instead. Is that part of your fandom and support for Chelsea, not wanting to root for Miggy to tear us apart? Partially, but I also just think that I have to be different at this point. I'm chasing rank a little bit. I'm around 500,000 in the world. And Almiron is not really a differential anymore. He's he's really become a consensus play. And so I just, I'm thinking that maybe the Almiron ship has left the building and it's time to jump on another mid-pressed asset. And yeah, if I'm, if I'm going to sell Andreas, I really want it to be a player that I'm for sure starting this game week with confidence. Uh, obviously Almiron fits that bill, but uh, it would pain me to be rooting for my FPL team against my actual team in Chelsea. So uh, I think as a against That's Forest, fair. it's a better fixture from a eye test and X expected kind of advanced stats perspective, but also it doesn't uh, make me a conflicted fan where I'll be rooting for Newcastle's players to all fall into a deep pit. Yeah. Eze has 4.3% ownership, whereas Miggy has over 30%. So again, 30% is high because a lot of active managers have brought him in recently, but I still think Miggy has the higher ceiling because he could actually get multiple returns. I think Eze has five total returns, only two goals. So you're bringing in a player that might get six points, which, you know, is not bad, but I don't know if I would use that as a one week punt. Again, when we're looking at where we are in the overall standings, there's only like 25 points that separates you being at 500K and you being in the top, like close to top 100K. So those are opportunities that if you get the right combination of players, you can help unlock better differentials as a team versus just one single player. But again, that's uh, an my excellent philosophy point, is, Brian. Excellent point. My philosophy is always chase the players, if especially for one week punts that have halls in them right like double like do you see crystal palace putting up four goals i mean i they haven't done that this season where you've seen newcastle consistently put up three to five goals in a lot of matches so just something to think about but uh taking a look at my squad i have one free transfer point one in the bank the team's in great shape i upgraded andreas last week to miggy and so now I have to figure out who to bench out of Miggy, Callum, and Mitro. Both Callum and Mitro are flagged, so it might make the decision very easy. And therefore, my attack looks really solid. So I think I'll kind of wait a little bit and see what happens. And this is a PSA for everybody. They're midweek Carabao Cup fixtures. So most of the teams will be rolling out very weak squads and heavy rotated squads. But there are a few matches like Manchester City versus Chelsea, where we don't know what kind of side Pep is going to put out. And I am not sure what's going to happen with Foden. So if we hear or see Foden play like 90 minutes midweek, you could probably bank that he might be benched again. And therefore, he's a candidate for me to possibly remove from my side. Kulu and Matto definitely have my eyes on both of those players for this week. I would lean towards Kulu because playing leads and if he can start, again, need to hear from pressers, but he would be an interesting player that I would not have on the other side of the wild card. Whereas Matto and Bowden are definitely players that I see being keepers in the second half of the season. So that's where my thoughts are. If I make an attacking move, but 
most likely I'll just roll the dice and keep Foden. And looking at a defensive transfer, I have Gahey away at Forest, but I think Forest have been scrappy and they could nab a goal. I don't really believe in Crystal Palace defense. And so therefore I also have Dunk, who is playing at home versus Aston Villa. I have no idea what to expect with Villa. I think they have looked better in attack. Bailey has really impressed over the last four or five matches, and he's been in the goals, creating a few chances as well. So maybe I move Dunk to either Castagna or Ben White. Both of those matches are away, but I feel like Castagna has a 12 to 15 pointer in him where Ben White is going to be max eight points, maybe some bonus, but given the fact that we think Wolves are going to bend over and Arsenal is just going to give them the the uh, the gunner, I don't think uh, anything is going to say that Ben White's going to get a huge hole. What are Sheesh. your thoughts on those two players? Sheesh, I, I like those shouts, but what a way to end the podcast with that uh, <laughs> with that aggressive reference. Who's your captain going to be, Brian? Let's get out of here. Holland Cap, good to have him back. He's gonna he's gonna dominate in this one. Um, I think the other differential captains though are really strong this week. If you have Kane and you want to fade Holland and go with Kane versus Leeds, there are gonna be goals in that match. Salah looking a little bit better between Champions League and scoring a few three goals in his last couple of matches in the Premier League. He's a good captain's shout. So I will be evaluating Salah as well, uh, given his ownership. One player that I have is Trent Alexander-Arnold. I would be tempted if I was having a even worse season than I am to potentially be... Oh, all right. Stop, stop the pod. Stop the pod. Potential 15-point even... return written oh. all over it for Trent. Uh, so I just want to throw that out there. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. This has been an amazing start to the FPL campaign for Brian and I. We're having so much fun recording the podcast, doing our mini league, and engaging with you all on social media. Follow us at FPL Blues Podcast on Instagram, at Twitter, and get in our DMs. We love interacting with the FPL community, specifically meeting you all at FPL USA meetups and et cetera. That's right. And if you're in the Bay Area, we will be having a meetup at Oakland Athletic Club. We're going to have a few of the best FPL managers in the Bay Area meeting up. Jamie, who won it all last year, is going to be there. I'll be there. And so will FPL Black Wolf, in addition to a few other newcomers into the FPL USA community. So please come meet up with us. Hit us up on the DMs in our Twitter feeds, and we look forward to seeing you there. Green hours for everyone. And again, if if you're in California, go hang out with the best FPL managers and Brian. Thanks, everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jamie is royalty. He he was the first ever number one winner overall in the world from the United States. So I will be bending the knee and honoring him as a lore of the game. Amazing. Thanks, everyone. Great episode, Brian. And let's all have an equally great Game Week 16. Bye now.